and uh, I did the um, international sign for do you want to put on film? And uh, the gentleman I asked then the international sign for no, I'm not interested. <laughs> so um, then a few seconds later, he's by my my, my uh, window. He's like. He did the international sign for, I changed my mind. And so we put on film. And so I told him, it's not your fault. It's just a, uh, at this time every Jew is just uh, an easy sell for a mitzvah. It's not, it's not, it's not, it wasn't really your decision. Don't, don't think too much about it. The fact that you're, you know, having suddenly um, changes of thought. And it's, it's just, it's just this, is, this is who we are these days. These are, these are the days, as Arizal says, it's a time when the luminary comes close to the spark. And uh, the spark wants to absorb the luminary. It's therefore a, uh, the desire for a mitzvah, something which is, uh, which is very, uh, which is very, it's felt, it's felt during these days. There's a famous story with the Tzemach Tzedek, when he was three years old. Um, he had his achmasa l'cheder. He had his uh, introduction to um, to be brought into school. The custom is, on the first day a child is brought into school, drop him in a talus, doesn't shouldn't see anything, and um, uh, many and, and they throw candies on him. So um, the, the day, if I remember correctly, the day of his achmasa l'cheder, it's called a rain finish. I don't know what day it was. The day of the rain finish. It wasn't precious as you know. The Altarebbe was the Valkyra, he was the reader of the Torah. And unusually, for the Elias, they, they called up not only the Altarebbe, I think, the first Aliyah, and the Mitlarebbe, the second Aliyah, I think. And then the Samach Tzedek was called together with his teacher for the third Aliyah. He was only three years old, he was called for the Aliyah. And his mother, just the mother's, his mother's yard site, was in St. Gedalia, and famous. Uh, she famously offered her life uh, in order to protect her father from a heavenly decree, and she asked in a Jewish court that she should take the place of the Alter Rebbe, and uh, she passed away that right after Shoshana. So, so uh, when the Alter Rebbe was reading the Torah for the Tzimach Tzedek Aliyah, for the third Aliyah, he read the words, uh, He found them faithful to him, accepting the Torah in a desert land. And when Altamir read, read those words, his, he, he cried, and tears fell onto the Sefer Torah. Just thinking about, you know, just the, the, the setting. This, here, this this this, this boy's father, his mother passed away, and 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 this 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 verse is how it expresses how a Jew searches for Hashem in a desert land, and there's no, you know, things are things are difficult. He found them faithful to him in a desert land. So Rashi um, comments on this verse. That's just a story I wanted to share. Anyway, so Rashi comes in this verse and he explains um, what does this mean that we found him? Uh, he found them faithful, rather. That's He found them to be faithful to him in the desert. They accepted upon themselves They accepted upon themselves his Torah, his sovereignty, and his yoke. All the nations, God asked them to want the Torah, no one else wanted the Torah. The Jewish people were faithful to them, they accepted upon themselves these three things, the Torah, his sovereignty, and his yoke.
Why does Rashi say three things? Why, where does it come from those three things? So there's a continuation of a verse before. There's in the Torah, um, Yaakov Chav Nachalasim. Yaakov is the rope of his inheritance. And Rashi explains what's the emphasis of the rope of his inheritance. Rashi says that Yaakov is like a rope. Just like a rope is made up of many strands. So too, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, each of them has their own merit. And Yaakov uniquely has three merits. Why does he have three merits? He has a merit of himself, a merit of his father, and a merit of his grandfather. That's why Yaakov is called the rope of his inheritance. He has a triple merit. And so corresponding to those three merits, Rashi mentions the three um, characteristics of the Jewish people that they accepted upon themselves, his Torah, his sovereignty, and his yoke. Let's, let's understand what those things are, because they're, they're very pertinent right now, because we're reading this part of the Torah, as we always do, either Pashat Zinu is, is, is read on um, the Shabbos Shuvah, the Shabbos between Yoshana and Yom Kippur, or like this year, right after Yom Kippur, so it's, it's talking about the way you're supposed to begin the year. So, so the Torah says, how are you supposed to begin the year? Begin the year, think about accepting upon yourself his Torah, his sovereignty, and his, his Torah, his sovereignty, and his yoke. What are those three things? What is the addition of sovereignty beyond Torah and the addition of yoke beyond sovereignty? So what is Torah? Accepting his Torah means, the parallel for this would be, uh, a teacher and a student. A student trusts the teacher. The teacher is not just a teacher, the teacher is also an educator, and he is meant to give the student a uh, guidance in life. So the student follows the teacher, the student listens to the teacher, and if it makes sense to the student, he does what the teacher says, and even if he does understand, um, he still may trust the teacher enough to, to follow the teacher and whatever the teacher asks him to do, even if it's something that doesn't make sense to him. But that's as far as it goes. In other words, a student does not belong to the teacher. A student doesn't have a... a um, he has, his, the student is his own man. He do what he wants. And his relationship to the teacher is just as much as he would like to give the teacher. It's not something he has to do. If, let's say the teacher asks him to do something which is um, difficult, difficult. So the student is not going to encumber himself with difficulty to do what the teacher asks him. Although he may trust his teacher, that the teacher means his benefit, but he's, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have to do something the teacher asks him to do. If it's too difficult, he could say, no, I don't want to do it. Um, but then there is another kind of relationship that Rashi mentions, the second model relationship, where not only are you learning his Torah, not only are you a student of Hashem, Torah emphasizes how God is the teacher, we're the student, there's a deeper relationship. And that is, Hashem is also our king. Malchus, he's sovereign. What's the addition of sovereignty beyond a teacher? So it says in the Torah that when Jewish people ask for a king, so Shmuel was very upset at them, and he gathered the people together, and he asked them, why are you doing this? Why are you asking for a king? Because they, they were asking for a king for the wrong reasons. They said, let us be all the nations, all the nations have kings, we should also have kings. There is a, a spiritual uh, meaning of having a king, um, because the king is meant to be a tzaddik, and listening to the king is meant to be like uh, having someone in the world that, 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 is, um, that, re that represents um, the... Uh, having a king is meant to be a lot more than, than it seems. It's, it's supposed to be that the king 
It is perfect tzaddik. And everyone is, is, is hearing from the king the desire of Hashem. They have someone in this world who is, who is relating to them what Hashem wants them to do. That's the way things are meant to be. But they were asking for the wrong reasons. And that's why Shmuel, uh, Shmuel rebukes them. Um, but in his rebuke, you see what the meaning of the, of the, of the monarchy is in Judaism. He, he says in, in uh, it says there in Shmuel uh, chapter 8, he says, you want a king? You know what king's going to do? A king is going to take um, your boys to be for his chariot and for his wars. And he's going to take um, your daughters to be his maidservants. And he, he goes on and on describing how difficult things are going to be if they, if they have a king. And there's an argument in the Talmud if Shmuel was merely trying to scare them, or was Shmuel actually conveying to them this is, this is the halacha, this is the definition of a king. So the Rambam in, uh, in the laws of kings, the Rambam actually says that the king actually does have control over the people in a big way. The Rambam says that uh, a king is, if he wants to, he can impose a tax upon the people. Okay. Ram says over there in chapter 6, Halakha uh, 2, um, the king can make a condition with the soldiers that he'll take mm-hmm. half of the, whatever they um, uh, conquer, or all, all the lands, all of the, um, either all the, all the movable objects and not take the lands, or take the land, not the movable objects. Um, Ramam says, that um, in Paragdalit, chapter 4, um, says more, he says, the king has permission to put a tax upon the people for his needs, just for his needs, not because there's a need of the people, or for the sake of his wars. He can make a tax, and you cannot, um, you have to pay the tax. Ram could say that anyone who, who tried, Ram says the king could say, anyone who, 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 uh, who um, cheats out of paying the tax will be killed. Ram says in Lacha 2 over there in chapter 4, he sends out messengers throughout the whole Jewish border, and he takes people for soldiers, and he um, even, even can appoint people just to run in front of his chariot, just for to his honor. He can take from the best guys in, among the Jewish people to be his personal servants. Continues in Lacha 3. Let's say he needs a tailor, he needs a uh, whatever he needs. He takes from the people, the, okay, you're going to be my tailor. You're going to be um, my, my, my uh, you're going to make shoes for me. Whatever he needs, the king can take from the people, and they have to do this for him. And he pays them. He can take all the animals, all the servants, and all the maidservants, and he pays for it. But he has full jurisdiction. Lacha 4, Nanam says the king can take from the whole Jewish um, border women to be his concubines. Uh, or to marry them. So the king has, the Kesef Mishnah says that the Rambam clearly holds that the, um, the king is, um, it, it, the Rambam holds that, that when the Shmuel uh, spoke about the, uh, uh, what a king is, and the Jewish people asked for a king, he wasn't really threatening them, he was telling them actually at the halacha, this is the fact that the king has all these rights. Okay, so talking about Hashem being our 
sovereign, our king, versus Hashem being our teacher, adds a lot to the equation. Not only is Hashem our teacher, we have to follow what Hashem asks us to do. Because it makes sense to us, with the king there's no chachmas, the king there's no, there's no, um, no uh, thinking about this way, thinking about that way, there's, there's, no, there's no discussion. The king says and you have to do it. Uh, if it's difficult, it's not difficult, you, you be, the king is in control. The king can do whatever he wants. So it says in Gemara, the expression, Omar Malka the king says something, a mountain is uprooted. So the king has full right to do whatever he wants. So saying Hashem is our king versus saying Hashem is our teacher, so that's, that's an additional layer in the relationship, clearly. Hashem is not just our teacher, he's also our king. We cannot say no to things that Hashem asks us to do. We don't have a right to say no. We belong, but... The Rashi adds another, another layer to the equation. The Rashi says Hashem is not only our king, he's also, also the, we, we, how do we um, become faithful to Hashem? In the desert, what does it mean? What does it mean that Hashem found faithful people to in the desert? They accepted upon themselves the Torah, His Torah, His sovereignty, and His yoke. What's the addition of the word yoke? So you might want to say like this. A regular king, although he has a right to do whatever he wants, he doesn't do, um, he doesn't control your life. You have your own private life, and if you ask something, you have to listen to him. But by Hashem, you might say, okay, Hashem asks for more. Hashem asks us to do things all the time. There's a mitzvah, let's say, of studying Torah, that's all the time. You're always supposed to study Torah. It's a mitzvah, even when you tie your shoes, there's a rule how you're supposed to tie your shoes. So you may say that the yoke of Hashem versus a regular king is Hashem asks for more. That there's a constant um, burden. Hashem is giving us a constant uh, command. But if that's what Rashi meant, he, he would need to add another word. Because that's just a, it's still a, a king. Just a king who asks for more. Even when you're eating, let's say. You have a mitzvah to, um, to is it mitzvah to say a bracha before? You have a mitzvah to say a bracha afterwards? To think of Torah, okay, so Hashem's monarchy is bigger, extends more, He asks for more. From the cradle to the grave, before and after the cradle, and before and after the grave, there's, there's, there's always a message Hashem is telling you. Okay, but that's still part of His sovereignty. It's not, it's not um, another layer of relationship. But Rashi's addition, Rashi is saying to us that, that not only did Hashem find those who are... Um, faithful to him in, in accepting his Torah and his sovereignty, Rashi adds a layer by saying the word his, his yoke. What's the addition of yoke? So it says in the Torah, in Parshas Yisrael, um, God says to Jewish people when he gave them, them the Torah, you should be for me a treasure nation. A treasure. And the Mechilta explains, that you should belong to me, you should be acquired to me, you should be learning, you should be involved in learning Torah. Actually, the word, the previous Shabbat said the word oiskin doesn't just mean to be involved. Oiskin means that you're doing something and you're diligently focused on it like a businessman. Asek uh, means a business. The previous Shabbat says to be involved in learning Torah means that you, that you care about it so much that you share, with it, you share it with anyone you can, like a businessman who's interested in selling it to anybody you can. So, so, okay, so, but, but, but the Mechutta says you should be involved in it. And then he adds a line, don't, be, don't do anything else. What, what's the addition of not doing anything else? What, 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 what is he adding in there? 
You should be be quiet to me. You should be involved in Torah and not involved in anything else. There's a um, commandment of Hashem. Uh, all of your deeds should be for the sake of Hashem. Or in language of King Solomon, in all your ways you should know Hashem. What King Solomon is saying to us is, is not only does Hashem have something to ask for us all the time, not only are we responsible to follow what Hashem is asking us to do all the time, King Solomon is adding a whole layered relationship. He, as in language in the Chilta, you should belong to me. You don't have anything of your own. In the, in the model of relationship of king and the people, so the king is the king, the people, the people that are a separate entity. They have to follow what the king says. And the king may ask them to do lots of things all day and all night, but that's, they're still their own entity. The idea of a yoke means you don't have anything else. That why is it all that all your deeds should be for the sake of Hashem? Because there aren't anything that belongs to you. There isn't anything of your own. Whatever it is in your possession is in the possession of Hashem. It, you're, you're required to belong to Him. So it, it's not that Hashem asks you to do something while, you, while you're eating. It's, it's more like you're eating, you belong to Him. Since you belong to Him, so therefore, there's no, there's no, automatically, there's no moment that you're not serving Him. In other words, let's say the Torah didn't tell us to, to, to learn Torah all day. Let's say it happens to be that factually, that there is something that God is asking us to do every moment. Okay. But let's say He didn't ask us to do something every moment. Let's say Torah wasn't holistic, wasn't encompassing everything. There's still another layer that oil that is adding. Oil is saying you're, you accepted upon yourself Hashem as, not just as a king, but you accepted the yoke of Hashem. That you belong to Him. You don't have anything of your own. That, he, that you are His and He is yours. It's nothing of your own. It's not only in quantity that Hashem's rule and Hashem's commandments extend and they, and they guide us every moment of our lives. It's more you belong to Hashem. That's the addition of the third uh, word that Rashi adds. And not only do we, are we as students to Rasei, we learn his Torah, he tells us what to do, and we, and we listen, we, we learn from him, he's our teacher. Not only is he our king, that if you ask him to do something, we have to do it. But more, much more than that, there's a whole different layer, oiloi. The Jew doesn't have anything of his own. That a Jew accepts Hashem, accepts, accepts the yoke of Hashem, he belongs to Hashem. And, that is, and as we're beginning of the year, Hashem tells us to read this Torah portion, because this is the way that we need to approach our relationship to Hashem. Not just that we have to listen if God has to do something but in all your ways know Hashem because you feel that it's that whatever you're doing belongs to Hashem as we learned last week amazing thing we learned last week that um, Rebbe says that when you when you involve Hashem when you know Hashem in, in, your, in, in the material part of your life and you do things for the sake of Hashem even for the very mundane so just like God is infinite so too uh, you will find infinity, you'll find abundance in your material life. If you, if you connect with Hashem in most material things, since God is infinite, He'll connect with you also in your most material things, and you'll see abundance, you'll see infinity, you'll see an additional layer, layer of bracha that's beyond, the, beyond nature. Just if you're knowing God when you're involved in mundane, so, so you'll see God in the mundane, you'll see infinity, you'll see abundance in the mundane, and... Uh, this is this is the power Shem gives us during these ten days of tshuva, to um, to be in touch with our deepest selves. That we are not, not only do we learn from Hashem as students, not only are we subjects of the King, but that we belong to Him.
And this is what you're supposed to approach the new year. And not only do we do things to say Hashem all day, but we belong to him. We, he is, and we are his. L'chaim, 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 Questions, comments? The difference between being subject versus belonging to him? Don't subjects, subjects don't belong to him. They're, they're, they're their own entity. They're, there's people. They, 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 they just have to listen if you tell them to do something. Then there is, then there is a servant. A servant belongs to the master. Yeah. Or in language that Yom Yom, beyond the servant, there's a soldier. A soldier is someone who, is, who believes in the general, even, and he, Gil Khan, who was talking about the difference between a soldier and a servant. He said, a servant, a person may keep Judaism and everything because they have to. They have to. Um, you could have a lousy soldier. A soldier is throwing, he knows how to throw a grenade, he knows how to hide, he knows how to jump, he knows, he knows everything a soldier knows how to do. But a soldier thinks he's going to lose the war. Thinks he's going to lose the war, he's a lousy, lousy soldier. A real soldier is someone who believes in his general. Not just he, not just he's, he, he belongs to the army, he has to, he's always, he, he has the yoke of be, being a soldier on the final of the time. Not only is he, but, but, but he believes, a real soldier who believes in the general, he believes it's, 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 it's going to do something. So it's, I guess, uh, in the deeper layer within this idea of yoke, how do you accept the yoke? The yoke as a servant, accept the yoke as a as a soldier. You believe in what you're doing.